Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante. And I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insights straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions, regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given podcast episode You should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, everyone, the College Admissions Process Podcast. John Durante here, your host, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome Asma Malik from Syracuse University. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for being here. Why don't we start by simply asking you, Tell us about yourself as it relates to becoming an admissions representative. What was your journey? How did you get there? Yeah, so um, I, like many other admissions uh, reps, never graduated college that I'm going to work in an admissions office. Um, (laughs) I've always had a passion for education. um, So I ended up doing my undergraduate degree in secondary ed, I taught chemistry and biology for a little while, and then I really wanted to dive into um, just higher ed, but on maybe the nonprofit side. So for a little while, I ended up working for the UN in the education center and um, did my master's degree. Uh, I ended up taking an admissions job to file law school apps to pay for my college books. Um, and I had an amazing mentor and I just kind of fell in love with the process of building a class and helping students through that um, journey. And I took a pause. I worked in financial aid for a little while because I felt like in order to be a good admissions rep, I need to understand how the whole process works. So I got some experience in that, realized that, you know, I missed working with the students. Um, and that interaction. So I went back and I worked um, in grad admissions and international admissions. I was at NYU for about seven years in different capacities and admissions and financial aid. And then I wanted a challenge because I graduated from NYU. It just kind of became comfort zone and like home. So uh, I chose to work at Syracuse and it has a unique setup because I'm based in the Manhattan Academic Center. So I do have students that come and take classes here and do internships. But um, I really to get to get involved with the student body that, you know, I'm very familiar with because I grew up in Queens. I live in Long Island 
And uh, it's really exciting to work in your own backyard with those students directly, but for a campus that's like five hours away. So um, it's been an amazing experience, you know, a lot of great learning experiences, um, but also just developing amazing relationships uh, administration-wise, but also with the students. That's awesome. You know, it seems like you have so much experience, obviously, in admissions and financial aid. So <laughs> looking forward to this conversation even more. So one of the things that I have to say about Syracuse University is that they have this program for high schools. And of course, I'm a high school principal. And the name of the program is Syracuse University Project Advance. We call it SUPA. SUPA. And the re yeah. SUPA, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically college level classes and the students get college credit through Syracuse University and the professors actually come to the school four times a year actually and meet with our teachers and by the way our teachers have to be trained by professors at Syracuse in order mm -hmm. to participate in this program which is phenomenal a phenomenal program for high school students and our teachers so the reason why I mention it is because just recently one of the professors was at the school and she was so vibrant so happy really loving life and loving being a representative of Syracuse University. And I mention that because I think, you know, she was such an ambassador for the university, so happy to be there. And I guess my question is for a student considering applying to Syracuse University, what is it that Syracuse offers both inside of the classroom and beyond that would make it appealing for a student to want to apply and hopefully be as happy as the professors that come and visit us at the high school level? Yes, absolutely. Um, when it comes to Syracuse University, I say we are the best of so many different worlds. So, um, for example, um, students coming from the metro area, I tell them, you are far enough where you are going to gain independency, but you are also close enough that it is not a huge financial or time commitment to come home. So that's kind of the best of both worlds in that sense. Um, even though we are considered a mid-size university with 15,000 undergraduate students, we pride ourselves in small classroom sizes. And the way we can do that is because we have individual colleges that make up the whole university. So each college has an enrollment anywhere from, you know, a couple of thousand students to just a couple of hundred students. So that allows faculty, faculty to really get to know their students, um, peers to get to interact with each other and it's not just that like lecture classroom when you're just being talked at it's more of that discussion base so I think that really does enhance the learning experience when you're learning from your peers in a way through discussion but where faculty can really tailor and customize the lectures based on the students and the experiences and the backgrounds and it really also does lend to a very strong sense of connection of community because you just don't go into class you sit in your classes and you take it and then you're, you walk out no like you're going to get to know each other in a very personal way and I think faculty develop a relationship with the student where they can help them guide you know their career aspirations right students can help encourage each other and I think you know our faculty are a great representation of that and the level of excitement they have is because this is what they're getting to experience on a daily basis. So um, I like to say that we are a large research institution and we have the highest level of research that takes place on a college campus. So that opens up a lot of opportunities for students. But at the same time, you're in classrooms that are more personalized and are on a smaller scale. So it is less overwhelming. 
So I think that's the best of both worlds. But I think the biggest thing is being able to have top tier academics and research opportunities in um, a school that has a lot of school spirit. You know, we are a division one sports school and there is a whole culture around that. that I tell students, like, it is a space where you will find a community for yourself. So whether it's the school spirit aspect, or maybe you're that architecture student that loves being in the studio, and that's where you thrive, you will find a group of people that are going to be just like that. So the best of so many different worlds kind of collide in this one space, which I think is what makes us unique. And then also our connection with the city of Syracuse, while we, you know, sit on top of a beautiful hill and, you know, we have a little Syracuse bubble. At the same time, we have so many community service activities, um, just so many opportunities for students to engage with their environment and in the city they're in, because that's going to be your home for the next four years. So we want students to build that relationship. And you can see when it's like game day, the whole city gets decked out, you know, it's just something special. And, um, I feel like it's good because it is an urban environment, but you don't feel isolated by, you know, just being confined to campus. And there's, you know, outdoor activities, there's community service activities, um, there's opportunities to do so many internships, you know, like 10 minutes from campus. So, um, you know, I think the resources are ample at the end of the day. It's what, you know, student makes of it, but there's a lot of options. So that's great. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that because the misperception would be that because it's such a rah-rah school and you're so well-known because of your Division One athletics, the perception is that the classes must be huge. But in fact, it's a huge campus. It's, it's a huge rah-rah school, but with a small feel, with smaller numbers in the mm-hmm. classrooms. And I love that you emphasize that, that community feel, which again is what that professor made me feel when I saw her, you know, ironically about a month ago. I also love that you talked about how it's a beautiful campus up on a hill, and yet the thriving city of Syracuse is minutes away. So there's really, it sounds like there's something for everyone which makes it unique. Let me ask, how many applications do you um, review a year? And do you personally represent the tri-state area? Do you represent Long Island, you know, in terms of the region that you cover? So, um in terms of application volume, uh, just this year we hit close to 41,000 applications. Um, we've kind of been hovering in like the high 30s for a while. Um, we bring in a class of a little more than 3,600 students, so first year students every year. So it is a competitive admissions process. Um, in terms of the way we are set up, uh, so I have specific territories that um, I cover, so Long Island is one of them, uh, Westchester, and I cover all the private schools in Manhattan, um, Bronx, and Brooklyn. So um, on the day-to-day, I'm interacting with prospective students from those areas. You know, I'm their point of contact, I help them through the process, any questions they have, like, I'm their go-to person. Because of the sheer volume we receive from the metro New York area, you know, I, I have a, a team of four in my office that work with me to kind of recruit in this area, but the application volumes are like, it's in the high, like 20,000. So what ends up happening is like the state of New York um, is going to be massive 
for our office. So we are on individual teams where we review applications for each school or college. So for me, I specifically oversee admissions to the business school. So when it comes to application review, I'm specifically doing it for the business school. And then, you know, I'm, obviously I will read the, the apps in my territory first and then assist where I can. But because we are also a very, um, you know, I would say connected office, there is a lot of times where uh, before we start reading applications during training, I'm going to say like, hey, here's an example of Syosset High School that has this point GPA scale. So you have to think about this when it comes. So I'm still very well versed in the high school curriculums. And then at the end, after decisions are made, I'm the one that kind of goes into my territory, makes things sure that things are copacetic and, um, you know, decisions make sense. So, uh, you know, just the way the, the office is set up and our volume there, we do make sure that we read every application multiple times. You know, you just don't want one individual to be making that final decision, which is great. And then I'm constantly talking to counselors. Um, sometimes they'll call me and just be like, I want to advocate for a student. Other times it'll be like, hey, they just didn't do so well this first quarter. I want to give you context. And like those relationships are so important in this process too. So I think once again, kind of best of both worlds that I get to build that close relationship in my territory, get to know my students. I can advocate for them. Um, I can advocate for the high school. And at the same time, I'm also overseeing admissions for a specific um, college within the university. So a little complicated for someone to maybe not be in admissions, but that's just kind of how we handle the volume. No, and that's why we're here to really dig deep into this and to give insight to students and, of course, their parents. You know, and you mentioned guidance counselors, which uh, they are such a tremendous resource in the college application process. So we love our guidance counselors. Thank yes. you all out there. And by the way, you guys do a phenomenal job because Syracuse University, I read that well over 90% of the freshman class returns well yes. over. Yes. Not just barely 90%, but way beyond 90% of the students come back, which means that they are happy. So you guys are doing amazing work. We're doing work. something right. <laughs> you, do, you really are picking the students that belong there, that are the right fit. And of course, we want to make sure that they stay there and you guys are doing a great job doing that. So what is the average profile of the current freshman class at Syracuse University? Um, so obviously, um, you know, I'm sure everyone's aware that because of the pandemic, uh, many institutions with test optional, we were one of them. So the stats that I give is not in the world of COVID. It's <laughs> like, let me give you the, the four year out, uh, you know, average five year average. So you just have a better understanding. Cause I think that the numbers got skewed because of the pandemic. Um, so when it comes to testing, ACT or SAT are option, you know, students can apply without submitting either one. Um, so our average for SAT is about close to a 1280. Um, and then ACT is about a 28. So I always tell students like, you know how a bell curve works, right? You learned about this in math class, you have the middle 50%, but there's always a certain percentage that's going to come below that middle 50% and then certain percentage that comes above. And because we, the way admission works at Syracuse, it's for individual colleges, 
one college might have a higher application volume that year, right, and have fewer numbers. And that's going to kind of uh, dictate what the average ends up being. So I tell students that's where majority of our uh, admitted students are coming in at. So it kind of gives you an idea. And then for GPA, this is a little tricky because, you know, every high school calculates GPAs differently, but we try to just pull out the core subjects, so the math, the science, social studies, English, and foreign language, and based on that, um, comes out to about a 3.65 unweighted. So I know that some high schools come in with a weighted GPA. Um, we do um, a little bit of calculation on our end. You know, some schools don't even give a weighted, they just give an unweighted, so we'll take that. Um, but that's where uh, I would say the average is coming out to. But biggest thing is it's always in the context of the high school. So we don't just look at the transcript as the end GPA, right? It's about your progression from year to year. What classes did you take? Um, as your classes were getting more challenging, did your GPA go up or did it go down, right? We're looking for trends. And then let's say maybe you're applying to an engineering school. I'm going to put a lot more emphasis on those math and science courses versus maybe someone who's going into journalism program. So context is important in terms of program where you're applying to when it comes to Syracuse, um, but also just kind of your journey. And we know that every high school has different resources, has different availability of classes. So I'm not going to have an expectation for every student to take you know, AP Calc BC, when there are some schools out there, especially in the boroughs, that just don't offer it or are limited because a certain number of students need to sign up for that class to be offered. So when we receive the application, that high school profile we get is really important for us to understand, okay, what does this GPA really mean? And at the end of the day, we want to admit students that are going to be successful in the classroom. We don't want to bring someone in and then set them up to fail, right? It's not fair by you, it's not fair to uh, the institution. So it's long-term success for everyone involved, and that's the way we're reading. So you bring up a lot of interesting points. One of the questions that I was thinking is, do you take a transcript and follow the high school's GPA, or do you calculate your own? Clearly you explained how you calculate your own. Let's talk about that a second. And I know that you, you said it, but I want to go back to it because I know that's something that I'm sure students and parents are interested in. Let's pretend a student is just going to apply undecided, you know, and they have a, you know, a 95 GPA at their high school. Could you just walk us through what exactly do you look at? And I, and I think you were basically pointing to the major subjects and major subjects only, but if you could just give us a little bit more insight, mm -hmm. to, uh, let, let's unpackage that a little bit deeper so that people get an understanding of the process. Thank you. Absolutely. So when we look at the transcript, um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to look at the NGPA to kind of see where the student falls within our uh, internal standards. And then I'll pull up, um, every application is read online now, so I'll have the high school profile on one screen, I'll have a transcript on the other, and I'll go through the high school profile to understand, okay, what college prep courses, honor level courses, AP level courses, dual enrollment courses, SUPA classes, you know, <laughs> LIU classes, um, what is being offered to students? And is there a limitation? You know, some schools say, you know, students can only take three APs in their entire high school career, right? So I have to keep that in mind. So once I've collected that information, I go to the transcript 
and just start from ninth grade. What classes did you take? What foreign language did you decide to enroll in? How did you do? You know, transitioning from junior high to high school can be difficult for some students. So um, everyone, you know, needs some, you know, everyone's different. And um, some students need a little bit more time to get um, adjusted to that high school demand. And then I will see the progression into 10th grade. Um, if students can start taking college preparatory level courses in 10th grade or 11th grade, I'm going to look to see what did you do in the context of the high school that you go to and what is being offered. And let's say they're an undecided student. Obviously, I'm not specifically like leaning in one subject area or the other. And I hate to use the word like well-rounded because it's not not every student is going to be a well-rounded student. It's about building a well-rounded class, and that's what the college needs to do. So I want to alleviate that pressure where students are like, I need to do amazing in everything. If you can, that's great. That's phenomenal. But if you can't, you will still be successful in college. And so, be yourself, um, right? Be yes, yourself. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I see some students that, let's say, they'll apply undecided, and maybe they have room to take elective classes, they'll take arts and they're really passionate about it, but they don't want to pursue arts in college, but this is something that uh, is true to them and they want to take advantage of, you know, what's being offered at the high school. So I'll look to see what core subjects did you take? How did you do in them? You know, challenging yourself appropriately is key. Not taking every single AP class, every single dual enrollment class, and then not doing well in them, right? You have to know where your limits are. And I think this is where working with guidance counselors is really helpful. So I'll just look at that progression. Obviously, 11th grade, we put a lot of emphasis on because it's the more recent full set of grades I have, and which is supposed to be in some of the most demanding classes you've taken, right? So that's supposed to give me an idea of how you are going to perform in college. And then when it comes to senior year, obviously I don't have grades, but I will know what classes the student is taking. Maybe you, you know, took a step back and started to really take some less challenging courses. That might raise a red flag because, we, you know, if anything, we want to see an upward trend in grades. We want to see a progression in rigor. And um, so we will assess what classes you're taking, and then sometimes first quarter grades are available. Sometimes by the time we read your file, mid-year reports are available. So that'll give us an idea of at least how you're performing senior year. There are times where, um, especially because of the pandemic, I'm seeing you know, dips. I think virtual learning was challenging for some students. Just the isolation was also something they were dealing with. And um, I'm going to be sensitive to that. And, you know, there's nothing more exciting to see a slight dip and then like a huge increase. And then I'm like, yes, you're taking more challenging growth and you're doing better. Um, but there's always opportunities to give us more context in your own words in that application. We could talk about that a little bit later. But when reviewing the transcript, it's always the, the one item we spend the most time on. Um, I say it's the driving force of the review process. And, um, you know, you can have all um, other aspects of your applications can be phenomenal. But if I am worried about your ability to succeed in our classroom, that application isn't really going to 
uh, woo me from like maybe a, a deny or a wait list to an admit, right? And right. at the end of the day, you go to college to, um, you know, be able to learn in these classes and we want to make sure that you're doing well in them. And if let's say a student opts to not take a foreign language their senior year, that's fine. I'm just going to see, okay, what else are you doing with your time, right? And, you know, do you have like three free periods? That's not great. That's not a good use of your time. So you want to be, um, you want to make sure that progression is seen in your transcript. And if you need to ease off of something, and I have students, I, I just had a student email me this morning saying, um, you know, they, they have some family um, issues that they're dealing with right now and some health concerns and they're going to end up like dropping this AP physics class um, and they were like I want to set up a time to just figure out what I should do with my time so that I can still show you that I will be fine in that college setting like you know there this is a humanistic process and I don't want you to feel like it's just the numbers and it's all about the numbers yes they play a role into it but at the same time, we're, we're sensitive to the fact that like life happens and you're 17 or 18 years old. I love that you're pointing to the humanistic points of the application process because you're right. You know, we all are human beings and I'm just so glad that you shared that insight. I also love how you talked about progression. In high school, you have four years to prove yourself. You don't have to do it all in freshman year. You have to build ramps and take the most rigorous course load that you can take for yourself, which is going to differ from person to person. And I appreciate that you said you could have a dip, but did you bounce back from that dip? Did you use a growth mindset? Did you improve? And lastly, I really love, and I hope that the students and the parents are listening, the fact that you know what the work in progress is when they enter senior year. So if they're taking certain classes in freshman, uh, sophomore, and uh, junior year, and then all of a sudden, like you said, they have three or four free periods in senior year, that's not gonna look so favorable. So it's very important, students, that you, you keep putting your best foot forward for all four years, including senior year. What advice would you give a student that falls, you know, they fall a little short of what your average is. What else could they do to make their application uh, be more appealing to you guys? Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, obviously, writing a well-written essay, right? Um, doing a good job in um, showcasing your personality and your, your genuine self through the common application essay. But, you know, at Syracuse University, we have a supplement essay. So there's something specific to our institution that we're asking about. So, you know, doing your research and answering that um, in a way that helps us understand how you are a good fit for us and we are a good fit for you, I think is really important. You know, building good relationships with your teachers so you get letters of recommendation that just ooze positivity. And, um, you know, they can talk about how you are going to be successful in that classroom environment because they have seen it firsthand. Um, so, you know, those are areas that you can work on. And then there's extracurricular activities. And um, I know a lot of limitations have been placed on students because of the pandemic, but there are, I've also seen very creative ways of students utilizing their time, whether it's, 
community service related to the need um, that has come about because of the pandemic or focusing on like learning how to cook like you know <laughs> uh it, like ethnic foods like there have read so many essays about that they're like i had no idea that like you know i'm actually really interested in cooking thai food and um you know learning a different language i think there are, there are ways that you you can utilize your time that just shows growth because that's what we want we we want to see the the character of the individual that we are going to admit right and how they're going to thrive in our environment and how are they going to take advantage of everything that we have to offer and if you are not utilizing your time outside of the classroom in a useful way that demonstrates growth then we're going to be worried about like how are you going to thrive in our college campus because we're all about stepping out of your comfort zone right um, pursuing passions that you have it doesn't only have to be academic related it could be non-academic too so um but you know i know a lot of students are like well i had all these plans and now i can't do it because of covid and like okay on the common application there's a whole section where you can talk about disruption because of the pandemic use that opportunity to at least help me understand what you are going to do with your time because our hope is that when you get to our campus you'll be able to engage in a similar way and every college wants a student that's going to be taking advantage of the resources because research has shown that academic and career success is not just what you do in the classroom. It's also networking and building relationships and taking advantage of research opportunities and internships. Like it's a whole process. And, you know, if you do that in, you know, the best of your ability, you end up with a lot more success. So we have to see that potential. I don't need you to be perfect. Um, we need to just see the potential in the application. And there are times where I am always advocating for the kid that like comes in slightly below our middle 50%, but their passion, their drive, their hard work ethic, and just, you know, it's really nice to just hear a student's perspective as to like what they could have done differently. Um, at Syracuse, interviews are completely optional, but they also present a really good opportunity for students to kind of like add voice to an area that maybe you can't address in the Common App. And they'll just tell me, like, it was a maturity thing. Like, you know, ninth grade, I wasn't really thinking about college, and I didn't really think that it was going to play such a big role. And I get it, because we're not starting conversations around college that early at some places. And they're like, once I got a, a hold of my academic um, and my studying habits, and then I changed that, and I changed the group of people I was around. Like, I understand high school is a, a growing experience, and um, just giving me that context, and I'm like, wow, this is a really mature individual because they, they have seen where their shortcomings were, and they've worked to improve it. So it's like, fine, in the larger picture, their GPA isn't right where I would want it to be to be a, a you know an, a, a simple admit, but that potential is there. So I think that's really really very important. Mm -hmm. So obviously you received the transcript, pretty standard, the list of courses, the grades. What advice would you give a student in terms of when they're writing their essay 
that really helps you to see their personality because you don't want an essay that they're going to just regurgitate what's already on the transcript. You have that. So what advice to really get them to see or to make you hear about their personality and whether or not they're the right fit for Syracuse University? I always tell students you have to take a step back and make a list of things that are related to who you are as a person, your personality, your characteristics. Maybe there's you know, some type of situation that you went through that really helped you grow. And tell me something that I can't get from any other part of the application. And I think sometimes, you know, the prompts that common application gives are, are amazing. They give you so many options, but sometimes it's too many options. <laughs> Students are just like, I just don't know <laughs> where to start. So, um, yeah. I, they, give you, they give you seven options, and the last one is pick a topic yeah. of yourself. They, like, just gave up and said, go ahead, pick a topic of, your, of your own. But that's actually <laughs> probably the most popular prompt that students pick. And, and I love it because it really does allow them to be creative and give them some flexibility. But, you know, the, it's important to convey your 17, 18-year-old voice. Like, uh, when I read the file, on page two of the Common App, it's the parents' information. And I can see... Um, what parents do for a living. So sometimes I'm reading this essay, I'm like, hmm, this, this seems very like lawyerish. And I'm like, let me go back. <laughs> oh, great. Mom and dad are both lawyers. No wonder. And, you know, I read thousands of applications so I could very quickly tell when it's not a student voice. And I would say, you know, it doesn't have to be this like heart wrenching, like sad story. I think sometimes students feel like I need to make the admission officer cry because then that's going to be a great essay. And that's <laughs> not the case. Um, yes, we, we understand there are unfortunate events that, uh, you know, take place in some students' lives. And, you know, you want to talk about that, you know, all the power to you. You can do that. But for the vast majority of students, um, you know, that's not the case. And that's okay. But there's so many different things that you could tell me about yourself that, you know, is going to make me believe that you are going to be able to thrive in our student body. Are you able to give us one example of an essay that you said, wow, I, I really have to meet this, this student? I was just going to say that. Uh, <laughs> you read my mind. So one of the best essays I have read um, so a student talks about um, learning how to make this soup. And um, it was her grandmother passed away, so there was like no written recipe. So she was just kind of piecemealing it together from everyone's different perspective in, in her family. And there are just a couple of ingredients that went into that soup. But every ingredient that she put in, she tied it into her personality. And it it, it was so simple, but it was so creative. And the good thing was like, it didn't follow the traditional essay format. Students feel like they need to have the intro and the body and the conclusion. No, it was just, you know, she did a couple of sentences for the intro to kind of give me some background as to what she was gonna talk about. And then it was just like two sentences each. And she was like, cayenne pepper, you know, it's subtle. You don't always taste it right away. And that is, who I am in the classroom. I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert, but when I feel comfortable, you'll see me start engaging. I was like, this is amazing. Because like, 
there were examples where I'm like, okay, how is she going to fit into our, our classroom, uh, right? So that's so important to make sure that your personality is coming through. If you're a funny person, it's okay. Be funny in your essay. Like some of these essays I've read, they're, they're like, my, my comfort place is my bedroom. And they just give me a totally different perspective as to like how they decompress in their room. And it's just your room. You would never think about it in that way. But, um, you know, there's there's different ways to showcase that. And, uh, you know, there are some very, I would say, popular or overused topics, you know, the winning goal or, you know, the, the losing goal <laughs> um, and breaking of a bone uh, fractures. And like I've read it all. <laughs> And I tell students, like, you have to be careful with that because they spend so much time describing the situation, right, or where it's taking place that when I'm done with the essay, I don't get anything from the student. So you have to take a step back. And when you're looking at the essay, it's like, okay, what did the admission officer learn about me through this essay? And if you cannot point out at least one or two things, then you didn't do a good job there. And you can... Trust me, you can use 550 or 650 words and just kind of describing, you know, the location of this, um, this situation that you want to talk about and this experience, but I don't see the growth um, or I don't learn anything about you. So just being genuine is important. And the supplement essay is the same thing. It's concise. It's much shorter. So it's, you have to be better about conveying that message, but please don't just copy paste from the website like you don't need to tell me we have five study abroad centers I already know that like it's my job to know that like take it a step further why do you want to study abroad maybe there's a faculty member maybe there's a specific like city you want to be in because there's culture that you want to experience tell me that because that right away is going to tell you all right a the student did his research two the student made an active effort to to show me how they will thrive in our campus. And that's what they wanted to do. This is tremendous insight in terms of giving students the uh, understanding that they really have to make their personality come through in the essay. It's not about, like you said, copying what's on a website or repeating what's on the transcript. You know, admissions representatives are well-versed in all of that. It's really about mm -hmm. that personality. And I love you know, that you mentioned the, uh, the student that was making a soup, referring each ingredient to herself or himself, something that's unique, but it stuck with you. And hopefully parents and students are taking that as a piece of advice. You know, I really appreciate that. Syracuse is also known as a school with great supports in place for students that had IEPs or 504s in high school. Can you elaborate on what Syracuse does to help these students to, you know, make sure not only that, they, that they're accepted, but that they are successful throughout their four years of college? Absolutely. So when it comes to support, I think SU does an amazing job. So there's different levels of support that I just want to quickly go over. So number one, every single student is assigned an academic advisor. So they're there to help you through your four years of undergrad, sometimes five, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, <laughs> just making sure that you're taking the classes you need to fulfill graduation requirements. Maybe you change your major, which more than 30% of you will, um, 
or you want to take on a minor, right? How to navigate that the best possible way it, it can be done with that academic advisor. So that's good there. And then you have career advising. So that really focuses on resume building skills, right? Interviewing skills, you know, how to conduct yourself at a job fair, at an internship fair, making sure that you have the preparation you need so when you go down that path in terms of professional um, experiences, you're going to be ready. Then um, we have, you know, academic support for all students. So, you know, you might be taking a class that might not be in your wheelhouse or just is a little bit more challenging for you and you decide you need um, some type of tutoring. Obviously, faculty members make themselves available multiple times a week through office hours and you can go to them. Um, but sometimes students feel a little bit more comfortable learning from their peers. So we have something called a class. It's the Center for Learning and um, Students uh, Support. And um, you can sign up for group tutoring there. You can sign up for one-on-one -on -one tutoring there in any subject with a PhD or a master's student in that specific um, area. Uh, so that's, that's great support. We have living and learning communities where you live with students that have similar interests or it's like the same theme and they naturally just build like these study centers. And then lastly, we have um, the, uh, the Cultural Center for Disability Services. And um, I tell students, you can start on this process really early on in the admissions process. So you don't have to be admitted to reach out to them to find out what resources would be available to you. So what um, we have advisors there. So what you would do is let's say you have an IEP um, or you just have documentation um, explaining the resources that you receive in high school and um, you would provide them with that documentation and they will come up with basically um, a list of resources that would be available to you at SU. Um, and I would say probably 90% of the time the students that I work with say that SU offers more than what they are receiving in high school. Wow. And most wow. of the time it's without additional cost. But we have some uh, programs that if you, you know you have the standard resources that you're getting let's say um, for ADHD or um, a learning difference but you want to take it a step further. You want a little bit more support there's an additional fee that you can pay for the semester and you can opt into that. But many of our students and families are so thrilled because um, it is customized based on every semester because your classes are going to change, right? What you need in maybe a lab class is going to be different from what you need in like, um, you know, a, a nutrition science class that you're going to take, right? So they'll work with the faculty members in advance, making sure that you get what you need to, to do well in that classroom setting. So a lot of times families will reach out, already know what the school is going to offer their child. And then once they're admitted, then obviously you can explore all the wonderful admission offers that you have from other institutions, but you'll exactly know what you're getting yourself into. And you rather be proactive and, and find out then have to start there and then struggle to put this together. So many colleges are now um, offering these resources for students really early on. Um, but I think, you know, advocacy never hurts. And it is something that 
I really want students to be able to do in high school, but definitely in college, because, you know, for Syracuse, it's a residential college. Your parents are not going to be there. Your family members are not always going to be there. So for you to learn how to voice that um, and when you're struggling or you need a little bit more support, um, you know, there's less handholding in college. But if you speak up, you will get that. And I think that goes for academics. It goes for, um, you know, learning support and in everything. Uh, I think this is a really great time to, to start on that. That's tremendous advice. And I'm so glad to hear all the amazing programs that Syracuse University offers. And obviously, you know, if students and their parents want more information, is there a particular place on the website? Should they reach out to admissions? Uh, what advice would you give them mm -hmm. if they're seeking more information for students that have IEPs in high school? You can just put um, Disability Center on the search box on our website. It'll be the first hit you get. Their contact information is right on there. You click on contact and they'll give you email, phone number, the hours that you can reach out. Um, I've worked with the counselors there. They are amazing. One of the best teams of people. Um, I have worked with and um, I'm constantly putting students in touch with them and they're very responsive. So um, I tell students you can do like a quick intro by email, um, might be easier. If you have documentation already ready, add it to the email and just tell them I'm a prospective student looking to apply for fall of, I don't know, 2022, 2023. And I just wanted to see what resources would be available to me. Uh, if I do decide to enroll at SU. They'll kind of give you a breakdown. They usually set up time to chat over Zoom too. So, you know, the, the parents and the family members are, are part of that conversation because it, it is a joint effort. Um, but just directly reaching out on, on the website. And if for some reason you can't find it or if you want me to make the connection for you, you can always, you know, reach out to your admissions rep. And, you know, if you're from Long Island, you could obviously reach out to me and I'm more than happy to do that for you. That is great advice. Thank you so much. I really hope everyone enjoyed part one of this two-part conversation with Asma Malik from Syracuse University. I particularly enjoyed hearing her speak about the college essay and how you should ask yourself, what did the admissions officer learn about me after reading my essay? If you can't answer this question and list at least a few items, then you need to keep working on your essay, as this is your opportunity to give the admissions representative some insight into your personality and who you are as a person. She also spoke about how they look at your schedule for senior year and how they expect to see an upward progression in terms of the classes you are taking and the grades you are receiving. Mid-year grade reports do get sent to the colleges, and they do not want to see a downward trend that late in the game. So keep working through senior year. Lastly, she covered the many resources Syracuse offers for students who have an IEP, as they are known to offer strong supports for all students. There was a lot more to come, and part two of our conversation will be made available next Friday. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with others, especially those who will be going through the admissions process, as our goal is to help as many students and parents as possible. Also, if you have any questions you want me to cover on an upcoming episode, or you have any comments, please feel free to email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com.
Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the college admissions process podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.